Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. I want to talk today about something that I think every single one of us has dealt with probably in the last 24 hours, I would bet. Something that's so radically practical in our lives that if we don't take advantage of, we're going to miss out on the blessings that God has for every single one of us in our life. And so here it is. There was a gentleman, some of you might know it if you were a history teacher, um, named Oliver Cromwell from the 1649. This guy was responsible for overthrowing in England the Royalist Party. Okay, He overthrew King Charles, overthrew all of them, and they decided to actually try King Charles for the way he had treated him. 59 people signed this document for the execution of King Charles. This is what's crazy, though. This, this, that, okay, that's happened in our culture, but here's the real crux of the whole thing. Charles was executed, but Cromwell's legacy lasted only 11 years, only had 11-year reign, and then King Charles II was put back into place. The Royalist Party took over. They came back in. The first thing King Charles' son, the second, did was this. He sent people, ready for this? This is crazy. He sent people to go find the 59 people that had signed that execution for his dad. 59. Only to discover that only 15 of the 59 were already dead. He said, that's not good enough. Go dig their bodies out of the grave, and we're going to try those dead people. They dug up and exhumed those dead bodies. They took these dead corpses, sat them in chairs. They didn't say anything. I think that's funny. They found them guilty and hung the corpses from the gallows. That's called digging up the past. Literally. Okay? This is such a radical picture of not dealing with, here it is, when we get offended. How many of you have ever been offended? (laughs) None of you. Who here hasn't been offended? Put your hand up. There you go. All right. One. Okay. We've all been offended. Think of it as a teacher. Have you ever had a parent walk into your room at a parent-teacher conference and just blast you a new one? And you're like, man, I'm doing everything I know how to do. Or or have you ever had your contract changed or negotiation changed? Or have you ever walked through different things? And and you're like, man, it's, it's hard for me right now because I'm feeling a little bit offended. Well, here's the deal with old school. Old school, this whole series, what I want to do the next four weeks is I want to bring out things that maybe are super practical and they're things that are common sense. And how many of us know common sense is just not that common today, is it? So let's have some common sense. We're going to tie in the Bible. I'm going to show you this biblically, such a beautiful picture of this. But I want this to just radically change your perception of being offended today. Um, and this is, this is that old school concept that we're, gonna just, we're just going to dive into for a little bit. And so if you have a Bible, you're going to need it in just a moment. And just don't, you don't need it yet, but I just want to prep you. We're going to turn to 2 Kings in just a couple minutes. There's two stages of being offended. The first is this. It's feeling offended. We've all felt offended, every single one of us. You know, either someone did something that caused you to feel overlooked, or they insulted you, like my teacher. They violated you. They took you know, advantage of you. They betrayed you. They didn't consider you. You were the last one picked. You were the first one picked. And you should, all of that. And someone presents you then, on the flip side, an opportunity to get offended. It could be a family member. It could be a teacher. It could be someone at church. 
It could be your pastor. It could be your boss. It could be absolutely anybody. You will have, how long do you think you have until next Sunday before you get a chance to be offended? Depends who you're driving by on the way home because if they ain't going the speed limit, I'm passing them, you know? Like, right? Come on, somebody. Some of you pass me and you're doing 85 and I'm doing 80, all right? Okay, here's the deal. I'm not saying what they did was wrong, okay? But what they did wasn't right and it was hurtful. And that happens. Sometimes it's hurtful. Okay, so then we go, well, man, we need God to curse them. Well, that's not up to us. And, it, and it's an uncontrolled human feeling. Everyone feels offended. Everyone. We've all felt offended. Let me show you this in the scripture here. In Luke chapter 17. Just part of it. It says, offenses will what? They're certainly going to come. They're going to happen. You and I will face being offended. It's, it's a part of life. Do you ever think Jesus was offended? Oh my gosh, all the time. But here's stage two. First stage is feeling offended. Stage two is now you have a choice, right? You have a choice to be offended. To live or to not live offended. Just because you are offended doesn't mean you have to live in that offense. If that makes sense, say yeah. Okay. Living offended, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like drinking liquid Drano in your life and then expecting the other person to die. Okay? That's, that's what it's like. Because that's all you're doing. You're hurting you and you're hurting others around you. So the choice to not live offended is a choice for a healthy soul and a blessed life. So this message, we're going to get a little dicey just for a moment. This is for people who want to be free of their baggage, all right? And maybe you're going, I'm good with mine. Then tune me out, okay? Because this is for those that are going, I want to deal with the baggage that I have. Most of us want, most of us don't want changed lives. We want changed situations, okay? God's not into changing our situation. He's into changing our character, So let him change your character this morning. Just let this challenge you this morning. This challenged me. Every time I put a message together, man, I'm preaching to myself. Because I think sometimes it goes like this. How many can relate to any of these statements? I don't want to quit eating, but I want to be skinny. I don't want to forgive. I just want a peaceful mind. I don't want to obey. I just want the blessing God has for me. Well, it goes hand in hand. And so if you start by changing the heart, then the behavior changes. Okay? There's a great military leader that I want to focus on this morning. His name was Naaman. Everybody say Naaman. Naaman. All right? It's a cool name. I love it. He was an incredible military leader, but he had this incurable disease called leprosy. Okay? His, snow, his skin was, you know, as white as the snow. He couldn't get rid of it. And, and yet he was this prestigious leader over all of Syria. Now, Syria was different than it is today. Syria would, had a huge domain back then. It had the Jordan, part of the Philistine land. It had some of Israel in it. It was that whole Middle Eastern part. It was huge. And so he was responsible for, for many parts of that. And uh, e- even the king over Syria was blessed because of Naaman. He followed the Lord. Every, everyone loved him. Everyone thought Naaman was like the greatest military leader, and he was a friend. He was approachable. He was real. Well, then there was this young girl who was a servant to his wife that was helping him. And he came, she came to Naaman, and she said, Hey, hey, Naaman, hey, you, you know what? I've got an answer for your leprosy. She said, I want to fix this in you. And she said, he said, How do I do that? You've got to go talk to this prophet. His name is Elijah. 
And by this time, Naaman's like, man, I'm going to do it. You know, he's, he's like the popular guy of the day. And he's saying, okay, whatever I have to do, I'm, I'm going to go do it. And so we pick up this story right here in 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 9 through 12. So if you have a Bible, read with or the version app on your phone. Otherwise, we'll have it up on the screen for you. Verses 9 through 12. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elijah's house. So he gets there to Elijah's house. Elijah sent a messenger to say to him, ready for this? Just check this out. Don't miss this. Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away, what? He's ticked and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me instantly of my leprosy. We ever wanted that healing like that? Are not Abana and Farfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? Come on. So he turned and he went off ticked or in a rage or angry, different versions say. He was mad. He was what? He was offended. He's like, are you kidding me? You want me to go down to that filth, the filthiest, filthiest of all the rivers of the Jordan? You want me to dip in there seven times? You're nuts. Out of here. He was offended. And so he takes off and he goes. You know, just picture it. He shows up there with his entourage. Shows up. He's got the, you know, the CIA windows and everybody's got all the people with him together. His whole team, the girl that's helping him, his wife, all the people that are, you know, following him, the military officials. They all watch this happen. They even see him get offended. They hear about it. And he goes up there and he, he says, no, this is not the way I want it to be. And he takes off. What was God interested in right there? His character, who he was. And so there's a couple of thoughts that I have on offense today. First is this. Offense distracts us from what's most important. Okay? Doesn't, think of it. Naaman's like, doesn't he know who I am? I'm this great military leader, this strategist. Why can't I have the healing the way I want to have the healing? Then he asked me to be, you know, dipped in this nasty river. Are you kidding me? Me? And so he's mad. He's so mad. What's most important, though, is what? Not change situation, change lives. You know, that's our, our mission at the bridge is we want to be a life-giving church. We want people to come to Christ and to know Christ. You know, I think of it like this. If you're a teacher and, and you have a responsibility, if you're a custodian, you have a responsibility, is it about your responsibility or is it about transforming and impacting the lives of students? It's about the lives of students. God just uses that other part to do the bigger part, okay? So God's trying to get a hold of Naaman's heart. Number two, offense is what? It's transferable. This is where it gets a little, little dicey. Naaman goes away mad. We have to assume he talks to his team. Hey guys, can you believe it? I'm like the super military man. They're not even going to do this. I'm supposed to go down and dip myself seven times. This is ridiculous. I just want the healing. They said it was going to happen. And the prophet Elijah, he thinks he knows everything. You know, he hears from God. He's what? He's offended. And that offense, what happens? Just spews out of him. It goes everywhere. It's like a, they're just the floodgates. Toxic attitudes that people sometimes have, like Naaman did right here, is when they speak bad about others. Okay? They're negative. They lack compassion. Or they constantly have and they move to drama. It's drama, 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 drama. You know, when I was a youth pastor, I wanted to make shirts for our youth group that said, save your drama for your mama. That's what I wanted. Okay? But... I had this awesome wife, and so when drama came to me, I would just send them to Heather. To the point where after doing youth ministry so long, and some of those youth are here right now, by the way, 
They even know it. I, I can see some of you right now. They would know, you're just going to make me talk to your wife, aren't you? See ya. Yeah, you know, we had to figure it out. Okay, they have drama, negative, toxic, toxic attitude people. They, they talk way more than they listen. Or they all, have you ever had somebody like this? They always have to be right, everything they say. Or they play the victim mindset, or they're self-obsessed in everything. Stay away. Stay away because it's transferable. It's like a disease. It's worse than leprosy. It gets on you, and all of a sudden, you got it. You know, you're doing, what do I do with this? If anybody, and here's the catch. Have you ever been in that situation where the person who gets offended really isn't the person that probably should have been offended? Who should have been offended? Elijah. Elijah, the voice of God, is going, Naaman, I have an answer for you. I, I got this all figured out, bro. I've been praying. You just go do this. And he goes away angry, and Elijah's sitting there going, wait a second. I just told you what God wanted me to, and yet you're offended? Elijah had every single right to take offense to what Naaman did. Every single thing. But he doesn't. Elijah just told him how to be healed. That was it. We don't read about Elijah being offended because he wasn't. Because his character was developed. Just because you have the right to be offended doesn't mean you should. See, I think we're too busy getting frustrated to be blessed. And offense will get you off track in church, in marriage, and work, all of that. I just want to pray for a moment. God, I just pray right now, as we talk about offense, that nothing here this morning would distract us from what you want to speak to our hearts, Lord. Lord, we want to hear from you. And I just pray you'd make an opportunity for every single person here this morning to hear your voice. May nothing get in the way of that this morning, God. And just open our hearts to whatever you have for it today. Lord, for every teacher, would you bless them? For every person, would we make sure we give an opportunity to everyone here to hear what it is you have for them to say, Lord. It's not about us, it's about you. And may your light shine bright this morning, God. Let me continue on. Number three, offense distracts us from necessary what? Necessary relationships. Necessary, check this out, okay? Let me show you this scripture here. Proverbs 27, verse 17. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Iron sharpens other, so one man sharpens another. Okay? Have you ever taken two pieces of iron and put them together? Anyone, anyone have a workshop? Have you ever done that? Or two pieces of steel? Is it a nice, pretty sound? No. It's awful. It's awful, but what is it doing? It's making the edges smooth, right? It's actually fixing it. It's making it better. It's healing it. It's restoring it. It's transforming it. It's magnifying the beauty that's within. But nobody likes this. You know, I don't like when my wife is right. Come on, men. Can I hear an amen? No, none. You guys are so afraid of your wives. Not one of you said anything. I love it. Okay. I'll be the first to tell you my wife's not right all the time. Okay. She's only right when she tells me she is. All right. You know, I, I just read this last week in a science journal that the, there was 10 reasons for having a long life, okay? 10 things that you can follow to live the longest, scientifically proven over the last seven generations. Number one on the list, it wasn't high blood pressure, it wasn't smoking, it wasn't drinking, you know, those, those made the list. Number one, far above every other aspect on this list was having relationships with other people. That's the number one way to ensure you have a long life. But more than anything else, they looked at this for the last 70 years. A huge, huge study. It's incredible. If you just Google it, you'll find it. 
Here's what happens, though. When you have relationships, you have tension, right? You know, and, and I don't know about you. I love rock climbing. I haven't rock climbed in a while. But when you rock climb and you have your belay system or your rope and you have that up at the top and you're trying to climb up somewhere, you get there. And then, has any, haven't you ever rappelled down a wall or a brick or something? It's fun. Rappelling's like the best, okay? It's a little scary because you're going back. You have some rope. How many know if you're rappelling down, you've got to trust the anchor guy at the bottom or the anchor gal, right? Because what can happen? If they have too much slack in that line, you're going to die. You're going to fall and that's it. But if it's too tight, you can't move at all. You're stuck there. So you have to have the right amount of tension on that line to go up and down. You have to have tension in your life. None of, we're all Minnesota nice, passive-aggressive. We don't like tension. We don't like confrontation or conflict. But that's a part of a healthy lifestyle that God wants to utilize that to bless us, okay? It's a, it's a tough message, but just think about it, just for a moment. How can you learn or grow without tension in your life? You can't, okay? How can you be sharp without potential friction or offense in your life? You see, the very person, think of it like this, that almost walked out on Elijah had the ability to restore his life. Elijah had the ability to restore Naaman's life, and he almost left because he was offended, because he was offended. Number four, offense distracts us from whose plan? God's plan. Distracts us from that plan. Think of Naaman. God wanted to heal him. Yes, his offense kept him from healing, okay? Offense keeps you from the blessings of God, whatever those blessings look like. What are you holding on to this morning? The moment you release it, the moment you release that offense to God, he will step in and he will do something so radical in your heart. You gotta let it go. You gotta go. Number five, offense is a trap. It's a trap. The Greek word for trap, or yeah, the Greek word for offense is scandalin. Scandal or scandalous, okay? Why is that important? Because the word means you're actually laying a trap in someone's way doesn't just affect you. It's what? It's transferable. And you actually lay a trap down when you offend or when you hold on to offense. You're putting somebody into a snare. Offense is the tool that the devil is using to bring people into captivity so they can't be blessed. We have a right to choose to be life-giving or life-sucking in that moment. Let me show this to you. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 through 26. Right here, Paul says these words. I love this. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome but must be kind to who? Must be, say it out loud. Must be kind to who? What about the person we disagree with? What about the person who's offended us? What about the person we don't like? What about the person who we're going, they don't believe in Jesus. They believe in this other stuff. Are we supposed to be kind to them? Really? Dang it. Able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil. It's right there. Who has taken them captive to do his will. So in other words, did you catch that? This is heavy right now, okay? And I want it to be. Think of it this way. If you hold on to an offense that someone has done, you are saying to Satan, use me. Okay, when we let it go, now we're saying, God, I want to receive your blessing, and I want to be a blessing to others. If that makes sense, we just say, yeah. Okay, an offended believer, a person who has life but never lives it in abundance, 
because of an offense, you're missing out on what God has for you. My desire is for you to have that clean slate that he so wants for you today. Let me give you the last one. Here it is. Um, When we get rid of offense, I don't have a number for it. When we get rid of offense, what happens is there's hope. There's a restored hope. Story doesn't end here. Aren't you glad that the story of Naaman doesn't just end kind of like that without the hope that there was something? I love this. Go on, verses 13 and 14, 2 Kings 5. Naaman, Naaman's servants, his entourage, went to him and they said, My father, yo, buddy, psh, psh, listen up, dude, okay? If the prophet had told you to do something great or some great thing, would you have not done it? How much more than when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? Verse 14, so he went down, finally he gets through his thick skull, and he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. Bloop, 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 bloop. As the man of God had told him, and his flesh was what? It was restored. And he became clean like that of a young boy. Here's what I find really, really interesting about this. The people around him, the, they were the ones that saw it. How many times has someone seen something in you, but we get offended to hear it, and all they're trying to do is bring us to that next level in our faith walk, our faith journey? Naaman allowed them all to bring healing into his life. They weren't the great military leaders. He was. And yet they let up. They said to their military leader, they said, hey, here's the deal. They said, if you just do what he's telling you to do, you will be healed. And he does it. There's this hope that he has, but until he goes and he dips himself, he doesn't have it. So what's greater? Is his military conquest greater or is this healing greater? I'm going to prove to you which one right now. Book of Luke, chapter 4, verse 27. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet none of them was healed or cleansed, only named tell me which is which is better to be free or to conquer all of syria tell you what i want the freedom man i want the freedom that god offers see jesus showed us this way he showed us this way to be free luke 23 verse 24 go ahead and you can put it up there just by applause who's seen this verse before heard this verse before come on who's seen this If this is the first time that you're ever seeing this, I want you to catch something. Or maybe you've seen this 100,000 times. There's something in here, even until last week, I never saw before as I was reading my Bible. Jesus is on the cross at this time. He's nailed to the cross. He's been despised. If anyone had the right to be offended, it was him. On the cross, he said many different sayings. This one right here, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This saying right here, this is the first thing that Jesus ever said nailed to the cross. This, chronologically, this is the first one. If you look at all the Gospels together, all four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, this is the first thing he said on the cross. Why? Because he wanted to offer hope, restoration. He forgave in the most unforgivable moment. Name is just a sign of the Christ. You see, hurt people hurt people. You get that? Hurt people hurt people. Forgiven people forgive people. We don't hold on to that offense. 
any longer. So I'm in third grade. The teacher says, I'll give you a full-size butterfinger if you come back tomorrow and can blink one eyebrow. I want to show you what I spent the next eight hours of my day doing that afternoon. Watch close. I got it down. But that one's my slow one. That one's my fast one, okay? All for a stupid butterfinger. A teacher invested in my life. We're called as Christians to invest in each other's lives. We cannot invest with offense. We have to get that gone. Otherwise, what we are showing, what we are demonstrating, what we are offering is not the true gospel of Jesus Christ. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.